0: Two weeks ago, I began a series with you entitled Worth It, and I, I began with this, uh, asking this question, are they worth it? Meaning, are the people in your life worth crossing the room and talking to and in, inviting to know Jesus, inviting them uh, to come to church with you, and I really, really believe that they are. Uh, they're worth it. They're, they're worth the effort. They're, they're worth uh, maybe a little bit of embarrassment Because this is what Jesus has called us to do uh, He called us to be about his business While he was gone What was his business? To seek and save the lost um, You know, uh, I've been uh, Just over the last two weeks I Had a, uh, the opportunity to, to speak with Many people in, the, in this in both campuses Who really got a hold of the message And have been going out and doing the work of the Lord I talked to one man who uh, just decided He was going to step out And, and begin to share Uh, his faith with others, he was sitting in the grocery store a couple days after, uh, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday or so, he's sitting in the grocery store and there's a lady struggling over the price of potatoes. So he said to her, can I help you? And so he gets involved helping her and he could just tell she was having a bad day. So he just started, next thing you know, right over the potatoes, she's telling him all these things that are going on in her life. And so he he just said, "Well, I guess this is the opportunity Pastor Randy was telling me about." So he uh, he asked her, "Do you know Jesus?" And she said, "No." And right there, he led her to the Lord. Right there, over the potatoes in the grocery store, with everybody watching. You may have received some of these cards that say, uh, "You're invited." They're just invitation cards, uh, icebreaker to help you invite someone and to give them the information. Uh, about service times and uh, locations and things like that. Uh, we have some more of these available at, at the doors on your way out. Uh, our ushers will have some. Take them with you. Put them in your purse and, and expect God to open up an opportunity. Look for an opportunity to, to share your faith and invite someone to church. It's going to come. Uh, it's going to happen. And we want to just give you something. You can write your name on the back so they'll know who invited you. And maybe when they get here, they'll look for you. And you can tell someone next to you to move over. I've got friends here today. We also are giving some invitation cards to your kids today. They'll be passing these out. And uh, all they've got to do is write their name on it and who they're inviting on the back. And when their friends come on Easter Sunday, there's going to be a big uh, drawing and a big giveaway. Uh, And one, so for every time, everyone, your kid. Invites and they come. Their name gets entered into the drawing, and they've got like Toys R Us gift cards. Man, they've got all kind of fun and games and excitement, and it's going to be just a, a blast. Uh, uh, they were talking about it this week. It's going to be so much fun. Our kids are going to want to be a part of. So you can take some of these as well for your kids. Let them uh, invite their friends to be a really good time. Uh, next Sunday, um, the question that we'll be asking is: Are our kids worth it? Are they worth it? Um, We've been so blessed. We've been working so hard for a number of years now, and we've been so blessed, and we finally have this beautiful sanctuary, but our kids in in all of our campuses, our children's facilities have needed upgrading and needed to be brought up to the level of excellence that you and I enjoy every Sunday. Uh, I, I believe our kids are worth it. And I, and we're gonna, so we're going to have a children's production next week, and then I'm going to share with you the vision that we have, some things that we want to do, and I'm going to ask you to pray with me about getting involved in a campaign to upgrade all of our facilities for our children's facilities and get them uh, on the cutting edge of uh, so that we can minister Jesus to them most effectively. I'm convinced that they're worth it. I'm convinced that your kids are worth it. So that's next Sunday morning. We'll be having a children's production they're working on. It's going to be a really good time, and then I'll be sharing a vision with you. Grab your Bibles with me, if you will. Turn to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 5, then we'll skip down to verse I'm reading this morning from the English Standard Version. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father in law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came out came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of a fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy Ground. Verse 10. God said, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I want to ask this question today Are you worth it? If you're watching online, I want you to get still and quiet and get ready to receive from God today. Uh, I believe that there is a challenge in the Word of God for each and every one of us, and He wants to touch your life, so uh, get still. Uh, Get the kids uh, settled down wherever you are and get ready to receive today. We're glad to have you with us. Father, I thank you for your presence that we felt in this house. Pray that you would touch us today. Open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to hear from you and to be challenged by the power of your word. Touch us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As a parent, I often find that my kids and my family run my life. Are you aware of that? Um, My my kids drive me to get up and go to work, and you know, my my daughter you you hear me talk about all the time. Uh, She's a softball player. As a matter of fact, we're playing our first tournament this weekend, and we're we play in the semifinal game this afternoon. We're 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 killing it. I'm really excited. (laughs) Um, But, you know, to be a good softball player, you know, she's got to go to hitting lessons and she's got to go to pitching lessons and speed school and all these things. And my son's in hitting lessons. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's not cheap and it's not free. And, you know, truthfully, I should give my own kids lessons, but we butt heads really, really bad. And I've determined that... (laughs) I've determined I can't fight grades and talking back to your mama and beating up your brother and, uh, and making sure you eat right and going to bed on time and being good at school and hitting lessons with my daughter, so, uh, so I have to take myself out of the equation if that makes sense. We've got to reduce some stress and tension in our relationship. So here's what ends up happening, so that I can pay for all that. I now go every evening and I'm giving hitting lessons to other kids so that I can take that money and turn around and hand it to her coach and pay for her hitting lessons. What is wrong with this picture? As the head of my house, it's, it's my responsibility to put the needs of my family in, in front of my own. And so it's, it's all about their needs and it's, and it's all about pushing them front. My wife is amazing. She is my uh, my. Uh, partner in this, and on Saturdays, most Saturdays, I spend all day studying and preparing for Sunday. And I just I like to get quiet and still when I can, and just and so she'll take the kids, she'll get out of the house, she'll leave me alone, and she won't won't let anybody bother me. She cleans, she gets all the Sunday morning church clothes laid out. I mean, it's perfect. But by the time I get home in the evening, she is like out of gas, and she's like, "They are yours." And I say, "You know what, babe." You deserve a pedicure. I got it from here. Of course, I'm just kicking it in the driveway. They're already bathed and ready for bed, you know. Then she says, no, I can't do that. It's, it's not worth it. And I say to her, you are worth it. Even my dog demands things of me. My dog might be the neediest person in my family. When I walk in the door, what, what was it, the Jetsons cartoon? where Was it Astro that would knock him down? And everything? That is my dog. He will jump all over me. He won't do this to everyone else, but he will jump and jump and jump, and he's a really good athlete, so he's like jumping. And I'm trying to say hi to my wife and kids, and if I'm hugging them, he'll get all up in the middle. Marmaduke, what are you doing? You're last on the pecking order in this family. If I go to sit down on the couch and I don't say hi to him, or if I don't give him enough attention before I sit down on the couch, I kid you not, he is not a small dog, but he will jump in my lap. Marmaduke, what are you doing? But at some point, my wife says to me, you need to take some time for yourself, because you're worth it. I say, you're right I am. At some point, we, we, we can get to looking here and looking there and, and living life, but we have to ask, am I worth it? There is a law that you may have studied in school. It's called, it's Newton's first law of motion. I'm going to try to demonstrate it to you today, but it says this. Uh, Professor Brennan, if you'll help me. It says this, Objects, uh, an object at rest stays at rest, and an object in motion Will stay in motion unless acted upon by an outside force. Translation is this Objects tend to keep on doing whatever it is that they're doing unless an unbalanced or an outside force causes change. They'll keep going. So, for instance, uh, all objects, uh, go over there for me if you will, all objects resist change uh, in their current state. Uh, obviously, I'm a baseball, softball fan, so we're going to use this as an illustration today. This ball... This is my daughter's game ball. I stole it from her. She got it for pitching really well yesterday. Don't tell her. Um, this ball, when at rest, wants to stay at rest. It does not want to move. It wants to stay here until I give it cause an outside force to act upon it. When I put it in motion... It wants to stay in motion until acted upon by an outside source. Let's see if I can not hurt myself. (laughs) That was nice. (laughs) So, it will stay in my hand until I cause a force and release it uh, and get it in motion. Now, the second thing about this is, If I were to throw this ball in space, how many of you know I could throw the ball a long way? There are no forces acting upon it to cause it to stop. But since I'm not in space and I'm not Buzz Lightyear, I have to throw the ball against the forces on this earth. Forces like gravity that are wanting to resist against it and cause it to go to the ground. If you watch the arc on our throws, we're not throwing it very hard, but you'll see them going towards the ground. Why? Because there are forces causing it to drop or stop. So an object wants to stay in the state that it's in. If it's still, it wants to stay still until something causes it to move forward. If it's moving forward... Something is going to be, it wants to move forward, but things are working against it to cause it to stop. Our life function, this functions the same way. If we get caught up in a balanced state, a still state, just hanging out, just living life, just existing, just going to work every day, doing our best to be a good parent, a good husband, a good wife, a good friend, but not really doing anything in our life. Nothing is causing momentum. Nothing is moving forward. It's, it's just We're just being. Our life will stay still. And you'll look up a year, two years, three years, ten years down the road, and you say, where did the time go? It went where you were sitting still. Time was moving, but your life stayed still because you didn't cause any forces to act upon it. Sometimes we get going, and we get our life moving forward, and we're, and we're pushing and we're driving, but there are so many things working against us, so many forces working against us. Uh, it does, life doesn't want you to succeed. Life doesn't want to just give it to you. I know sometimes it seems like everybody gets things for free and we've got to work hard for it. But for the most part in your life, you have to put in some effort to move your life forward. Somewhere along the way, you have to say, I'm going to take the ball of my life and begin to move it and throw it and cause some force to make change in your life. Otherwise, you'll sit in that unbalanced state. When life tries to stop it, when life tries to get you down, when, when life tries to cause you to be frozen, you have to pick your life back up and move it again. That's the nature of the law, first Newton's first law of motion. Make sure that gets to my truck for me, if you will. Thank you, Pastor Brendan. I ah, forget it. I don't need it. I worked up a sweat. You know, it's just easier to let our marriage be than it is to work on it to make it better. It's just easier to come from home from work and sit in the front of the TV than it is to go to school online so you can further your education and advance your career. It's easier to sit back with a million excuses of why we can't do something and it wouldn't work than to actually fulfill the will of God in your life. I am absolutely amazed at something. I don't know if you heard about this, but Warren Buffett did an, a deal where if you filled out a perfect bracket for the NCAA basketball tournament, he would give you $1 billion dollars. And he opened it up to 15 million Americans. Now, I realize that the odds of most Americans were like one and nine quintillion, but there's still a chance. He couldn't even get 15 million Americans to fill out a bracket. Who cares if you know anything about basketball? He couldn't get 15 million Americans to fill out a bracket and you had a chance at a billion dollars. Now, 95% of us went out with the first game because we all picked Ohio State and they got beat. Uh, or Syracuse, was it Syracuse? Uh, Whoever, no, no, I can't remember. Ohio State, somebody lost the first game. And and we all went out except for the 4% of the country that were from that school that won. They went out the next game because they lost. But here's the point. It's so much easier just to stay at rest than to give the effort to move your life forward. Are you worth the energy? Are you worth moving beyond the resistant forces in your life to see what God would do for you. He, he has a great plan. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God has a plan, but you have to get a force going. You have to get up and do something to accomplish that plan and that will in your life. God, God steps down out of heaven and He, he causes this bush to catch on fire but it's not being consumed and Moses is walking through the desert and he sees this happening and it gets his attention and he looks over there and he says wow what's going on so he walks up closer to get a closer look and when he got closer God speaks and God calls him and he and he gives him this great command he says my people in Egypt they're in slavery they're in bondage and I want to set them free and I want to send you. This is appalling for Moses. <clears throat> Moses has been in the desert for 40 years. He's been, uh, he's been shepherding. He's been uh, hiding out. He's, he's been doing all these things. But now he has to ask this question of himself. Am I worth putting in the effort to do the will of God in the world? God says, I want you to be a redeemer, a deliverer, a a leader of my people. And Moses has to ask this question. Is it worth it? Am I worth it? How did he get to the desert? He got to the desert because Moses had killed a man and was found out. And so he ran for his life. Pharaoh wanted to kill him. His people were rejecting him. The Hebrews were rejecting him. Pharaoh wanted to kill him and so he ran for his life and he made his way out into the desert. While in the desert, he's sitting by a pool or a or watering hole, and some ladies are there, Jethro's daughters are there uh, getting water. The shepherds come up to try to run them off of their watering hole, and Moses intervenes. In the process of that, he goes back home, ends up marrying Zipporah, one of the girls at the at the watering hole that day, Jethro's daughter, and he stays out there for 40 years in the desert, just doing things that he was never called and never created and never trained to do. All because of a mistake. This mistake began to define him. He couldn't move beyond his past. He couldn't move beyond what he had done. He couldn't move beyond uh, the, the mistakes that he had made, and they were defining him. It determined where he lived. It determined what he did for an old living, uh, for a living. He couldn't go back to his old life, to his old friends, to his family. He couldn't move on because he couldn't forgive himself. Our past will define us if we refuse to forgive. When we refuse to forgive others for what they've done to us, and more importantly for today's service, when we refuse to forgive ourselves for the mistakes that we've made. Are you worth it? Are you worth forgiving yourself? Now I know that there are some people in the room today because I know I know some people like this that will make a mistake and feel zero remorse for it. Do you know anybody like that? I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. Uh, I was I was the one in, in school that always lost in fights because I would hit you one time and then go to check on you, see if you were okay. <laughs> are we worth forgiving? ourselves. Moses was, Moses was struggling with this. He was struggling to move forward. Uh, in second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Here's the thing you have to understand. When you came to Christ, the old was passed away. Jesus died on a cross to forgive you. Have you been willing to forgive yourself? Here's another scripture for you. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. Uh, Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. If your sins are forgiven, then you need to see yourself as separated from your sins, but but no, the enemy will try to remind you that you and your past continue to beat you up over your sins. They try to beat you up over our mistakes that should have been nailed to the cross, but he's trying to purge our conscience. He's trying to purify our conscience. We've got to get it at you. Okay, nobody's saying you didn't do it, but let it go. Jesus died on the cross so he could let it go. You let it go you made a mistake you screwed up you didn't mean to let it go when we refuse to forgive ourselves it is basically denying the work that jesus accomplished on the cross for you it's a gift forgiveness is a gift that jesus gave to us i I want you to think about this do you remember a few years ago when these commercials came out on television where uh, it was disney world commercials And so they would wake up a a little kid. The one that sticks out in my mind the most was this little girl. And they would wake her up. And Disney princesses are all over her room. And they tell her, guess what today is? And she's like, I don't know. She's all groggy. And and they say, we're going to Disney World. And she just goes into that crying, laughing, smiling. And it's all And She's so excited. And they said, the car's packed and we're going. And it's like Disney World commercial, right? I don't know if you remember seeing any of those. What if... You paid for a Disney World trip, got your plane tickets, got your hotel, got your food lined up, got everything, everything's in order. You packed all the bags and you woke your kids up on the morning you're supposed to leave and you said, surprise, we're going to Disney World. And they said, I don't believe you and rolled over and went back to bed. And you said, no, 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 all you've got to do is get up and go get in the car. And they said, no, I don't believe you. I've been dreaming about this for a long time, but I don't believe it's going to happen. It's never going to happen. You would have told me about it, and so I'm just going to stay in bed. i got to go to a birthday party today. I've got to go to Bounce Zone today. But Disney World is waiting. No, no, I don't believe you. And refused to get in the car. This is what happens when we refuse to forgive ourselves. God said, I've given you this wonderful gift of forgiveness. I've, I, I, I went to the cross so that you could be forgiven. And when you refuse to forgive, it's like not getting in the car and, and everything has been paid for. Everything is done. All you got to do is get in the car and you won't do it. We must purify. Our conscience, we've got to let it go. Are you missing out on Disney? Are you missing out on forgiveness? Are you missing out on freedom because you won't receive what God has given you? Second Peter 1 and 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so short-sighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he is cleansed from his former sins. You are already cleansed. I, I, wanted, I want you to do something with me. If you've got your uh, phone or any kind of mobile device in your hand, I want you to grab it and I want you to do something. Open up to any app where you can type something in, and it will auto-correct for you. If you've got it handy, and I want to show you something. All I want you to do is start typing in the word unforgiveness. Okay, it tried to change it to uncle. Uncle. Hold on, let me try it again here. Uh, There's UHF. No, that's not it. I forgive, that's not it. I forgiveness, that's not it. Do you know why it won't find the word unforgiveness? Because unforgiveness is not in the dictionary. We have literally made up a word to define holding on to things that God never intended us to hold on to in the first place. It's not in Webster's, it's not in Cambridge, it's not in your phone, it's not on dictionary.com, it's not a word, and yet we hold on to forgiveness. It's not a word because it's not what we were created to do. Jesus went to the cross so we could forgive, forgive ourselves, forgive others, and yet When we hold on to it, we're we're doing something that is not in us to do. It's not even in a word. So next time that you hear somebody talking about unforgiveness or you feel like you've got unforgiveness, say, you know what, that's not even a word, I'm going to let it go. I am worth letting go of what's happened in the past and forgiving myself and forgiving others. You are worth it. Was Moses worth moving beyond what he'd become? Exodus 3, verse 11. Here's his response to God. God says, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh and, and, and that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. You're going to be the guy, Moses. Moses says, um, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? It's just, who am I, God? Look, look, look around you. I'm in the desert. I, I, I'm nobody. They don't even want me there. Well, they won't even believe me. Well, what do I say, God? God says, tell them I am that I am. But they're not going to believe me. Look at me. I've been gone for 40 years. Nobody called to check on me. Nobody sent me a Facebook message. Nobody came out to stop by my house and visit. Nobody cares about me. I'm just out here all by myself. Look at me what I've become, God. Moses had allowed his unforgiveness to grow. He had allowed his rejection to grow into a place that he is wallowing in self pity. He's found himself in a place where he just says, I'm not worth it. He He says to God, Who am I? I'll tell you who Moses is. Moses was a young man that was supposed to have been killed. But he was rescued by the daughter of Pharaoh, allowed to grow up in the the palace. Now, understand, all of his friends are in slavery. He's growing up with everything. They have nothing. They are being beaten and driven by harsh taskmasters. And yet, he is growing up as an Egyptian prince. He's got it all. He's got the best schools, the best training, the best everything. He's eating the best food that the country has. And this is not just a little, a little broken down third world country. This is one of the largest empires in the known world of the day. And he is being raised as a grandson of Pharaoh, who, by the way, was thought of as a god. He is way up in the kingdom. And here he is saying to God, who am I? God said, I'll tell you who you are. You're the guy who I plucked out of the river and put in a place that you could be trained, that you could be taught by the best in the world on how to lead a people. You're the perfect guy. The Egyptians knew how to lead and they taught Moses how. But he's saying, who am I? They won't listen to me. They don't even, I'm just out here by myself. Self-pity. Self-pity. <coughs> Acts chapter 7, verse 35 says that Moses was rejected. His brothers rejected him. His Hebrew brothers rejected him. Pharaoh was trying to kill him. Now he's living in the desert with somebody else's family. He's been done wrong. All he wanted to do was go back to Egypt and be with his family, but he couldn't because they were trying to kill him there. And in Acts 7, 23, it says, It came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. He was just seeking an emotional connection, but he couldn't find it. Instead, he was rejected. He's now in the desert giving excuses to God. Forty years have passed, and he's become someone that he was never supposed to be. Do you know what the opposite of confidence and worth is? It's self-pity. Excess love for oneself. It put, it's putting oneself higher than God or others. Moses is full of self-pity derived from a lifetime of rejections and failures. Self-pity is when we turn inwards and it blocks our ability to connect with God and with others. Why do we feel self-pity? Because it's an attempt to seek emotional intimacy with others by evoking their feelings of compassion. It is the result of disappointment over the unmet expectation resulting in a feeling of sorrow or loss. You might have heard it in words like, if only they had... It is the result of rejection. It is the result of a fear of others or a circumstance. It is the result of a feeling that a situation or a circumstance is punishment from God for a sin. It is a means of punishing oneself out of shame or guilt. How do you recognize self pity in your own life? Here's a couple of ways. Do you find yourself repeatedly telling or thinking someone about how someone has wronged you? Do you find yourself asking questions, why did this happen to me? My younger sister Hannah, who's a pastor now in, in Sugarland with my parents and worship leader and doing a great job. Um, we were at Academy one day and she was about four years old and she was playing in the weight she wasn't supposed to. And she reached over grad grabbed one and dropped it on her toe, broke her toe right in the middle of Academy. And I don't know if you know this about the women in my family, but there's a lot of drama in this situation. Screaming, crying, putting her in the car. And she says, at, I think she was about four, right? Here she says, why didn't this happen to Bubby or Sissy? <laughs> mm-hmm. Why does this always happen to me? Why, I, I, um, how do you recognize it? Do you, have, do you have feelings of unfairness? Do you find yourself saying it's just not fair? Are you making statements such as, I didn't deserve this. I will never succeed. I'll always fail. I never win anything. Do you have first person focused thoughts? I, me, my. I want my needs. Somebody help me. Nobody ever helps me. Moses was caught up in self-pity. He's suffering from discouragement, a sense of failure, and from condemnation. And he had to ask a very important question. Am I worth moving beyond who I've become? It's difficult to do when self-pity takes over. And we none of us want to admit, admit to that. But it's a harsh reality that can sneak its way into our lives. You're worth it. You're worth the effort. You're worth letting go. You're worth moving on without who the world has tried to force you to become. Finally, was Moses worth moving beyond his weakness? In Exodus 4 and 10, here's what he says. He, he gets beyond who am I? He gets beyond all the things that have happened. But here's what he says in verse 10. Here's his last excuse to God. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I want you to note what he says here. Either in the past or since you've spoken. One version says, I, I'm not eloquent and I have never been. I don't speak well and I never have. But I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Now, I want you to note something here. Years of self pity and unforgiveness had messed him up to the point that he had forgotten who he was and it had turned his strength into a weakness. Pastor Randy said he, he was never ever to, able to talk well. Acts chapter 7 says something very differently. Uh, verse 22. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And he was powerful in both speech and action. Some say that Moses was a stutterer. Maybe he was. Others say that when he was slow of speech, it meant he struggled with the language, the Egyptian language. But what Acts chapter 7, what Stephen tells us, is this. That he was powerful in speech he wasn't like just well he was okay, he could, he could talk away I mean, this guy was powerful when he spoke, people listened, he had all the training this was a strength of Moses and yet at 80 years old, after 40 years in the desert, 40 years of unforgiveness, 40 years of self pity, 40 years of being beaten up and left and forgotten he says I don't speak well And I never did. It had been so long that he would gotten caught up. It had been so long that his life, his yellow softball of life had been stuck and frozen that he had forgotten and the enemy took what was a strength and turned it into a weakness for him. At this point, he really did have a weakness. The problem with Moses, though, is because God looks at him, and God said to him, "Uh, I I made your mouth. Well, God's trying to remind him, I made your mouth. I, I taught you how to do it the first time. I can teach you how to do it the second time, but Moses won't have it. You see, he was willing to move beyond his past. And he was willing to move beyond uh, uh, his self-pity and what he had become. But when it got to this issue of his weakness, he just said, no, I'm unwilling. And he threw up his hands. What the enemy wants to do is he wants to lie to you and deceive you and get you all twisted and turned. You say, well, Pastor Renner, I used to be somebody that was full of joy and full of peace, I, I, but, but now I'm, I'm just upset all the time and I'm down. When I used to walk into a room, everybody's face lit up. I was the life of the party, and now nobody even invites me to the party because I'm a downer. I, I'm a Debbie Downer. Everybody needs a, every party needs a pooper, and that's why they don't ever invite me. I'm the party pooper. It, and, and what was a strength became a weakness. It was life and forces pushing us down. This is where Moses drew the line. He said, it, it, it's not worth it to move beyond my weakness. It, it's not worth it. I'm not willing to go that far. So God told him, I'll tell you what. Aaron will speak for you. Aaron was not God's plan. God didn't cause Aaron to go to the house of Pharaoh and to be trained and be taught how to be powerful in speech, to be taught how to lead a massive group of people. Moses did, but Moses said no. He said, I'm not worth it. It's not worth it to to do it. Here's the problem. Aaron would later build a golden calf for the people. And he would say to Moses, when Moses came back down the anger, and God was down the mountain, God was angry, and Moses was angry, and Aaron said, "I just threw the gold in, and out popped this golden calf." Later, Aaron's sons would, would be blasphemous against God because they would offer impure offerings. And then one day, Aaron led a mutiny against Moses. God has a backup plan for you, but it's not His first choice. And the backup plan may cause you some problems. So when God comes to you and says, I want you to move your life forward. I want you to do some things for me. I want you to do this. I want you to, I want you to be a better husband. I want you to be a better wife. I, I, I want you to uh, get an education. I, I, I want you to work hard and show yourself approved, and I'm gonna pour out blessings upon you. I, I want you to don't say, no, Lord, give it to somebody else. I'm not worth it. No, God says you're worth it. You're worth it. God knew who Moses was. He knew the mistakes of his life. He knew his past, and yet God said, You're worth it. Don't let unforgiveness convince you that you're not worth it. Don't let self-pity convince you just to stay still. But move your life. Make change. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Don't let your God's backup plan cause you future problems. Don't let your st- mistakes render you worthless Don't let your past render you worthless. Don't let who you've become render you worthless. God knew Moses and called him anyway. God knows you. He knows everything about you. He was there when you did it right, and He was there when you did it wrong. He knows, and yet He called you anyway. You're worth the effort. The life you've imagined, the life God has promised, the, the the dreams, they're attainable. The goals, they're reachable. It can all happen for you, but you've got to put some things into motion. An object at rest, uh, an object in the desert, an object stuck in life, a person stuck will tend to stay stuck until they put some motion, they put some effort, they put some tension to move things forward. Person stuck in unforgiveness tends to stay there a person stuck in self-pity tends to stay there a person with a weakness tends to keep that weakness but you can be the outside force in your own life god wants to help you he said i can do all things through christ who strengthens me you can do all things through christ who strengthens you you are worth it you're worth it because god says you are Jesus said on two different occasions do you know how valuable you are? If God takes care of the sparrows and you're even more valuable than them don't you know he'll take care of you Acts chapter 7 verse 35 and I'm closing this Moses whom they rejected saying who made you a ruler and a judge this man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush this man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. Despite what had been happening in his life, Moses decided, I'm worth it. And he did what God called him to do. He led them out. I want to speak to you in your life, and I want you to know you're worth it you're worth it you're worth your energy you're worth the effort you're worth putting in the time you're worth making the change you're worth answering the call of God you're worth saying yes to Jesus you're worth it He has a plan for you but don't allow your life to get stuck be the force that causes change put in the effort I want to speak to those that are struggling with forgiving themselves. You've made mistakes. You messed things up. You know you did. You can qualify it and you can uh, come up with a million reasons, but in your heart, you know you made the mistake. You're struggling to forgive yourself. You put on a brave face. You go to work and you live your life, but you know what's going on inside. Maybe you cheated on your spouse and they didn't leave you. They stayed with you. But you haven't forgiven yourself and you live every day in penance over that deal. God wants to purge your conscience today. You've made mistakes. God wants to purge your conscience. Forgive yourself. Maybe you need to forgive others. It's time to forgive. It's time to move beyond that. Self-pity. God wants to touch you. He wants to pull you out of that. Get the focus off of everything that's gone wrong and get it back onto Him. I wanna pray for you today. In a moment, I'm gonna open these altars. Pastors and prayer partners are gonna come. If you're struggling with forgiveness for others or for yourself, or if you've got self-pity in your life, You want to get rid of it. If there's weaknesses that you just refusing to move beyond, you don't know how to get your life going, I want to pray for you today. I believe that God wants to help you get some motion in your life. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to stand. Our pastors and elders will come. We're going to worship for just a moment. And uh, and then our host will come in just a few minutes to conclude our service. Um, But I want to pray for you. Father, touch us today. Help us to get out of where we are. Help us to not get called up, but to determine that we are worth it. When the enemy says we're not, when life is telling us we're not, Lord, you said we're worth it. You want to touch us. You want to heal us. You want to be with us. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Father, give us the courage to move out, to step out, to say yes to you, to say yes to the future that you've called us to. I thank you for it right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.